I'm Dan Bro, along with my co-host Matt Bruner, and welcome to the Real Estate Heroes podcast, the stories and lessons from real estate wholesalers, investors, and professionals who are changing lives and making an impact so that they can help you become a real estate hero. And just a quick reminder that this recording is an exclusive live event for our students only who have the opportunity to ask questions and get answers to their biggest questions. If you want to be one of those lucky few, head over to actiondanbro.com and schedule a call or sign up. Today, I'd like to welcome David Richter. He is a financial pro. He is a great friend of mine, my personal accountability partner. Um, he's done, just got this update, over 851 real estate transactions. Um, he is the owner and founder of Simple CFO, where they help real estate investors gain control of their finances, be profitable from day one, and eliminate that worry about paying yourself consistently. And David's going to talk a whole lot more about that, but uh, super knowledgeable in real estate, in the world of finances, and just an awesome all-around guy. So super grateful to have you on, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this today, for sure. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so let's start with this. And would you, would you share with us how you got started in real estate? Sure. Like most people, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So some, someone handed me that book in college. A good friend of mine said, I think you'd like this. So I consumed it and said, wow, this is a different way of thinking. That's what got me kicked down on that road. And I, so then I started reading more books, you know, on real estate. And I was like, I'm done reading. So I was like, I need to find a deal. So I went out, found a deal, fixed it up. Uh, actually rented it for a while. I got some money that way and then lived in it for two years with my wife, because then we moved out of there. And after two years, rented that place out. And then I lease optioned that house. So that was like that first deal. And the tenant was super tenant, paid early, paid on time, like was amazing, took care of the house and then cashed me out six months later. So I got a nice big check that was completely tax-free because I had lived in the house for two out of the five years. And that's one of the great tax rules is if you live in the house two out of the five years, you don't have to pay capital gains. So I got that nice check. And that was like, I need to do this more. So then I started, then I could go into my whole real estate career from there. That's when I started working with investment companies and went down that whole road and don't know how far you want me to go because that could get to a you know, longer story. But that's how I officially started was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Wow. So your first one was pretty much a home run. Oh, it was a home run for sure. I was like, oh, this is nice because it brought cash in up front. And then I had bought some other properties on the side, but this one was like, when I sold it, that was a nice, nice check uh, to get at the end without having to pay any to Uncle Sam. So yeah, that was a nice Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, just to, to break even on your first one would be a win, but uh, hitting a home run like that, that, that must've been pretty motivating. Yes, it was very motivating. And what was really exciting was I didn't feel like I did anything special. I just, you know, I read the books and I, you know, read books. And then I went to real estate investors and learned different ways, different exit strategies of what to do. And I'm like, what would be best for our situation? So I plugged what I thought was best and it turned out really well. So it was just asking questions, you know, reading and asking questions. Man, that's awesome. And so from there, 
your your whole career, these 851 transactions now. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. So a part of that was I worked with a company where we went from about five wholesale deals a month and then to about 30 wholesale and well, not just wholesale, 30 deals a month where we were doing fix and flip turnkey. We were doing rentals, lease options, like anything that you could think of seller finance deals. So a lot of them came from there. And I, in that company, I wanted to sit in every seat and I got to, I was kind of like the utility man, like put me somewhere, fix it, move on. And so I sat in acquisitions, dispositions, property management, project management, like all the seats you could think of in a company. And one of those seats was the finance seat. And I know it doesn't look like it, but I like the finances. So I, I started in that seat and I really did. I really dove in with the CPA and said, just teach me everything. Like, like let me consume this. Cause then I understood that was one of the last seats I sat in, in that company before I moved. And it was so interesting now, cause now I knew like how the acquisitions turn into a sale, turn into this actual net profit check that we got at the end of the day and like getting to see behind the scenes of like how this all went together. Then one of the big light bulb moments for me was we were doing 30 deals a month, like 25 to 30 deals, but we had like 25 to 30 people on staff. And that was a top heavy company, even doing that many deals because we were in Northwest Indiana. So we were doing them in the States around there. Our deals weren't like $50,000 wholesale deals. They were more like 10,000, 15,000 wholesale, you know, wholesale deals or whatnot. So we were a little top heavy. And so I was like, okay, we need a better way, you know, like we need to really dive into this. So before we did that whole plan, we, it was kind of the same time we were looking to move just because we could, we could move anywhere. And we were looking to move. And my wife and I moved across the country to be closer to her family. So I kind of started over with another investor, started buying deals with him. And one of the first things I did was like, hey, I got to know where we stand financially. Because then I saw how important it was with the last company. I'm like, I don't want to go that same route. Big company, bunch of employees. What about, you know, I want to get in there. Dove in. Everything was basically a mess. Like didn't know, couldn't get his numbers up to date. Didn't know where he was. So eventually, like after three months digging in with his bookkeeping team, like we got everything together. And he was able to see his numbers. And one of the big things we did, we saw that he was under leveraged on his properties. So what we did is we helped him leverage more with his properties, what he was comfortable. And he was able to pull out money from his company. And this was also, you know, months and months before coronavirus uh, hit. And so he was sitting on a stack of cash, basically with any options he wanted to. Did he want to go and buy another rental? Did he want to go and do another wholesale deal? Did he just want to sit on his cash? You know, like he had options now. That's what I really love providing to people is just the opportunity to take the numbers and say like, this is what I can do. These are the options that I have available to me. That was a light bulb moment for me because with those options, he looked at me and said, you changed my life. And that right there changed my life. I was like, I got to bring this feeling to more investors because so many people know how to create the wealth. If you're on this call or listening to this podcast, you're probably a wealth creator. I am a wealth keeper. That is a different set of skills, a completely different set of skills from being a wealth creator. So you have to have someone who thinks that way. And I was like, this is it. This is the company I need to create. Because people all the time on podcasts like this ask me like, you've done so many transactions. Like, why in the world would you, you know, start a company like this? I'm like, because there are so many people that I saw 
that can do 850 transactions and still be broke and still have nothing at the end of the day. So that's why I started Simple CFO and got into what I did because of uh, what I saw with the investor that I worked with there and before. So here's kind of a snippet. And that's that's a whole lot. Um, so if you were to boil down all of that experience and say, and giving someone recommendations, saying if you were just starting out in business, what are those top few things that you would focus on to make sure that they are running a financially healthy business? Cash flow management. Because cash, okay, I, I've kind of started coining this phrase now. I don't think cash is king. And which is weird because I'm a cash flow guy. I don't even think cash flow is king. I think cash flow management is king. So you start that from day one as a wholesaler with your first deal. Or if you have rentals, if you're buying rentals, cash flow management, making sure you know where every dollar goes once it comes in the door, making sure you have that control or you have someone focused on that or you have a system. That's why we use Profit First. We use that inside of our company as the cash flow management system tool mindset in order to keep the money. Because I think if you have cash flow management, it doesn't matter what business you're in. Doesn't matter if you do wholesales, rentals, all that, or if you go into an Amazon store, Walmart, or like whatever. If you have cash flow management, that's the big first piece. So, like, what does that really mean? It means that you manage it as it comes in. And I could go into the whole profit first concept, and I'm sure you'll ask about that, Dan, but that's what we use and the system and framework to manage the cash. But that would be like number one, because you could do that from day one. You might not have a set of books from day one. And I get that. Like most people, cash management is different than the books and the traditional finances you think of. Managing your cash is totally different than looking at a financial statement, like an income statement or a profit and loss or a balance sheet. It's completely separate. I would say cash management is the number one skill you need to learn if you're just foraying into it by yourself and learn that very quickly because that honestly, is not even as hard to learn as the other side, the, ca the cash flow statements and the, all the, the income statements, profit and loss balance sheet. So that's what I would say, number one, for the financial side. Yeah. So let's, let's break that down like as simply as we can. If, if someone's listening here and they're like, all right, cash flow management, I get it. Now, what do I do? What does that actually look like? So I get a check. So I get a wholesale fee you know, it's, it's 12 grand or, or 15 grand, whatever, like, what do I do with it? Sure. I'll tell you the practical steps first. If at the end, I can tell you the mindset yep. at the end of it. So practical steps is you probably heard of the envelope system, you know, like for your money, for your personal finances, Dave Ramsey has made that very popular, whether you like him or not, he's made that popular for your personal finances. You need an envelope type system for your business, especially when you're starting out especially when you're first foraying into wholesaling or whatnot, because you're going to make money. I'm sorry, but sorry to, sorry to tell you this, <laughs> but you're going to make money in real estate. They, you can mess up on a deal and still make money because there's different exit strategies. Be creative. So you get that check in. Let's just say it's a, let's make it a $10,000 check, make the numbers super easy. So you take that check. And before you've done that, you've set up some bank accounts and you've named them. You've named one profit. You've named one owner's compensation. You've named one owner's tax account. You've named the other one operational expenses, all your operation 
expenses going out of that one. So you take that $10,000 check in to like an income account that's basically just a holding account. Then you distribute that check by percentages to those other accounts, like maybe 5% to profit and then maybe 30% to you or 50% to you if it's just you. Like you need to live, you need to be healthy. You need to build that profitability in from day one. Then tax. If you're in a wholesaling business, you definitely need to be saving for your taxes. Because like if you're not holding rentals, you're going to be, you know, that's active income. So then 15% to like a tax bucket. And then you're going to have your operational expenses. You know, that'll be, you know, the leftover <laughs> will go to your operational expenses because that's like the tactical portion of it. The practical or the, the, the practical portion, the mindset portion though, is so many people think of it differently of like, they have one bank account, that check goes in there and they're like, I've got marketing expenses. Oh, and I want to hire a person. Oh, and I want to do this. And I've got this other expense over here. Oh, and I need to pay for this, you know, bandit sign, whatever. So most people just think, what can I spend? Or like, how can I grow my business? When we're not asking ourselves the right questions, the right questions is how can I grow this profitably? And like, what systems and habits do I need to install right now? Read the book profit first. The profit, there's going to be a real estate version coming out at the end of this year that I'm authoring, Profit First for Real Estate Investors. But right now, you need to pick up Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, the original book, because it says in there, the great formula, the formula that every, every traditional accountant has, which is not the great formula, it's, it's the sales minus expenses equals profit, which sounds logical, and accountants are logical. So sales minus you pay everyone else. And then what's left over is yours. But with what I just told you, that practical system, if you, if you, if you heard what I said, profit was the first bank account you should transfer to, and then your owner's comp, and then your tax, and then what's left over is your operational expenses. Because the formula, the profit first formula is sales minus profit equals expenses. Meaning you have that sale, you allocate to your profit first, and then you your company has to be healthy on what is left over. And if you say, well, that restricts me, that does this or that, you know, like what in the world? I would say, well, most people don't have a system to be able to actually pay themselves. I've had, from experience here, I've had like seven discovery calls. So that's what I call someone who wants to work with us over the last week. And every single one of them, I don't think there was one that was paying themselves consistently. It's like whenever there's money, hopefully I'm taking this out and not crippling the business. And it's like, I see what happens down the road without a system like this in place. There's stress, there's worry, there's frustration, there's anger. And guess who it gets taken out on? Everyone else, your team, yourself, your spouse, your children, you know, like, so it's like getting this in place helps get you to that end result of really controlling your time controlling what you can do and building in profitability to scale up as well too. Because if you see, you're giving yourself that cushion, that cushion of percentage points that go to that profitability first. So if you keep that your whole business life, you're always going to be building in that profitability percentage. So that's what this whole system is about. So there was the practical point first. So to give you the nitty gritty of, you can write that down and literally take it to the bank and open up those bank accounts. And then there was the kind of mindset behind it too on the end. Yeah. So, I mean, David, so we set up our accounts. What do we do next? Like, what does that look like day to day? How often do we need to allocate money? Like, what do we functionally do to implement this system? 
Boom. I love that because this whole system is about making profit a habit. And how do you do, how do you instill a habit? You do things consistently. So that question is great because if you're a wholesaler, you might be having pretty inconsistent deals. You might be doing one this month, two next month, zero the next month. Maybe as you scale up, you might be doing two, three, four in a month, or like we were doing almost one a day. It, you have to establish the habit for you at that time. If you're doing one a month, then I would do the transfer once a month, like establish that, that I'm going to, okay, a sale happens. The next day, once it comes in, I'm going to transfer the money to these accounts. And if you're doing more than that, maybe you establish twice a month, we'd move this money you know, to these accounts or once a week, if you're doing deals like on a weekly basis. So it really depends on where you are in your real estate journey too, because that's, it could be so up and down. So like, that's why I love this system too, because if you're doing this consistently, let's say you do one deal this month, two deals the next month, and then zero deals in that third month. Well, guess what? Like if your average, you know, is about one a month, then in that second month, you're allocating to cover that month when you have zero deals. So that way, when zero deals happens, you're not like, oh my gosh, I'm panicking. And here we go. I'm in a total meltdown. You're like, you know what? I've planned for this. I know that we have deals in the pipeline. And guess what? The fourth month, then you close three more deals. And it's like, okay, now we're starting to roll and I didn't have to worry. And then you start gaining momentum. And then it's like, okay, now I know that we're going to be okay. But I would pick that rhythm that works for you. Is that once a week? Is that twice a month? Is that once a, once a month? but pick that rhythm, get in that habit. It's more about establishing the habit than anything. Yeah, absolutely. So when companies start using this sort of a system and they've been using it for a little while, what sort of feedback or, or results have you seen people getting? One of the things we love to do is make sure that we focus on what they're, what's going on in their business too. Because if you're starting with someone from scratch, it's different than someone who's in the business right now. Like for a while we have, let me give you an example of what we do with someone who is starting out. I would set up also a reserve account right away and start planning for reserves, especially during good times. Like right now, the market is hot pretty much everywhere. So everyone feels like a real estate hero, but there's also going to be the time when the villains come in and like that always happens. I mean, it's the circle of life like that. We know that's going to happen. So we want to make sure we're establishing a baseline for like to capitalize when that does happen. Because so many people, I remember 2008, nine and 10, were like, I wish I would have bought more properties or I wish I would have held on to more blah, blah, blah. And it's like, here, we're in the years of plenty right now. You better start saving up and, you know, leveraging what you have when it is the years of famine. So that would be number one, like get a reserve account and start seeing that grow. The other thing is just getting, the owner's compensation in place, like consistently paying themselves. So they know a lot of people come to us too, like with W2 jobs and want to quit them. And it's like, okay, what do we need to replace that? So like thinking of those things up front. but then someone who comes to us who has an established business, I think of one guy that we've been working with for a while. And one of the, his big things was he wanted to pay off a bunch of debt that he had for years and years. And that's what most of his profits has been going to for the past few years we've been working with him. And he's like, oh man, you know, like once we get this debt off, he knows he's going to have like 10% more every single time a property closes to allocate wherever. 
like to his profit account or to himself. He wants to quit, have his wife uh, quit her job. So she's like, that could go towards that to not, you know, like she can quit her job here. And so there are different things that we focus on with different people, depending on where they are in their stages. But upfront, I'd establish that reserve account because honestly, reserves are the way to grow your business. Just telling you this little secret right now. I know that sounds so counterintuitive to most people, but that is the way to grow. But that's what I would say, kind of short answer there for someone who's newer or someone who's established. Yeah, and then, so kind of on that note, like, is there a one size fits all as far as how much percentage I put in profit versus operating versus taxes? Um, I know that may be a big question, but I'd love your feedback on that. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a great question because in Profit First, they give target what they call target allocation percentages, meaning these are the targets that we're shooting for based on the size of your business. So there's a little chart you know, like if you're from zero to $250,000, like you're just starting out your business, like 5% to profit, 50% to owner's compensation, 15% to tax, and then the rest to operational expenses, which should be like 30%. So when you're first starting out, you're making sure that you have a business for yourself. That's why it's such a high percentage to pay yourself and, you know, to make sure that you have a viable business that actually produces the income you need. But then as you grow that business, owner's compensation percentage starts to come down, profit starts to go up, and even operational expenses start to go up too, like the percentages, because if you're running a big business, lots of people, you're going to go, you know, where it's 40, 50, 60% as you get to these bigger sizes that you're going to have to spend in order to maintain it. So that was like after studying literally thousands of businesses that Mike did. And then we've studied all the hundreds of businesses we've either worked with or have communicated with of like research that there's, they, there are percentages to shoot towards and it depends on the size of your business. So there's charts and graphs. If you, I don't know if this is the proper place, but if you go into um, Facebook, we've got profit first for real estate investing, the Facebook group. And we post in there like the targets that you should have at the different stages of your business. And, you know, that's one of the files in our filing system. So we wouldn't, you know, that would be, I'd love for you. It's a free group, not pushing anything in there other than keep your money. So just that's a one place that you can pick that up. Yeah. I, I mean, keep your money. Uh, how much more of a draw can you have? Um, so let's step back a little bit from profit first. Um, so, I mean, you've done 851 deals, so you, you have a little bit of experience. Um, yeah. So what do you think the best run real estate investing businesses have in common? That's a great question. Let me think. I would say that the best run real estate investing companies focus on the core aspects of the business, marketing and sales, operations, and finance slash, slash HR. So as long as you're working on those pillars of business all the time, that would be one that you are equally, you've got the right people in those right seats in, those, in that business and you're taking their advice. The other thing in any business is the CEO. The CEO is responsible for three things, culture, people, and numbers. If the CEO is doing more than that, 
then like they're in those other seats that they're sitting in, then they know that it, then they need to replace themselves in that seat to elevate them to culture, people, and numbers. And I took that book from a book, a CEO should only know three things, the one everyone thinking that I've invented all of this, but it's a great book, but that really has shaped my thinking as an owner. And it's also the ones that I can see where, who are the most successful real estate companies we work with are the CEOs know it's culture, people, and numbers. How am I providing an awesome culture to work with? How do I have the right people? Cause it's all about the people in the business. Then do I know my numbers? Do I know the numbers? Am I running my business from my KPIs and not just from fire to fire to fire to fire? Like I should be able to see the fires in the patterns of the numbers that are being presented to me. And then my team goes and executes on the deliverables of, you know, getting those fires off my plate. So that's where I've seen it's really those who have, have the right people in those core places or learn themselves when they first start out, how important those are and like can hold those people accountable. And then the CEO really knowing culture, people and numbers. So uh, you seem just a little bit passionate about this. <laughs> oh, quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit passionate yeah. and a little bit. That's great, That's man. Good. Yeah. So I, I want to gain clarification on one thing. Um, you said sure. KPIs. So for, for those, of, uh, those of us who are listening that are not familiar uh, with KPIs, what it means, which ones you should be tracking, would you go into that a little bit? Yes. Key performance indicators, key process indicators. It's got a couple of acronyms for it, but basically it's the numbers that you need to be tracking to know if you have a fire in the business or if you're doing well. So for a real estate wholesale company, that would be maybe inbound calls, outbound calls. It could be contracts you know, that you've signed, appointments could be the um, you know, contracts overturned you know, or lost. You know, there's going to be different KPIs that you have in your business that are important to you. There's some pretty universal ones. Then uh, from the financial aspect, because I like that, it should be like your cash on hand. Like what do you have in reserves? What are your actual financial KPIs of what you want to hit? Like, is there a specific goal that you're moving towards? Like, is that a revenue number? You know, like, are you trying to get to a certain dollar amount? Because once you're working with someone with that knows profit first or knows how to keep the money, that's when you can focus on the top line. Like when you've got your bottom line taken care of and you know every deal is going to spit out 30% profitability no matter what, then you can go crazy as an owner and go after that top line. So maybe one of your KPIs is revenue because you already know like uh, you sell a deal, 30% is going towards this, this, and this already. And the rest of it's the operational expense that I know we can live off of. So it's those types of things. It's the numbers you make a decision from. So I'm not going to tell you any more specifically, but ask yourself this question. Can I make a decision from this number, this KPI, this key performance indicator that is being shown to me? Or is it just something that, you know, it's nice to know, but it doesn't really affect my, my decision-making process. Man, the integrator in me loved everything you just said. I've got a lot of visionary and integrator in me. So I can usually cross both borders. And I don't know if you talk about EOS or traction or, you know, that, but yeah, I love that system and love that terminology, visionary integrator. So if you haven't read that book, make sure you do. Yeah. Um, 
Well, so tell us more about Simple CFO, what you guys are trying to accomplish, what you do. Um, I love the big vision of it, but I'll let you tell that side of it. Oh, yeah. So basically, we want everyone to feel like that one investor, not just that we've changed his life, but that he has control, control over his time, control over his finances, you know, the, the ability to do what they want to do, like with whatever that money affords to them. You know, I, I have a saying, profit unlocks your purpose. And that's what we do with Simple CFO. We want to help people unlock that purpose because sometimes it's a rough slog. There's some people, <laughs> one person came to us with like six years of not doing tax returns. That was a tough one. So, but like he needed his numbers. He needed to have that in place. And that was one thing. But overall, Simple CFO, if I had to boil it down very simply to an analogy and like, you know, a story here is you probably have heard of a bookkeeper and a bookkeeper is, if I equate it to like a hospital, they're like the nurse. They check in on you every day. They do your transactions, you know, check your chart. That's good stuff. And you need that. It is vitally important to make sure you have a nurse and a bookkeeper. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got the specialist. You've got the CPA. You've got the tax person who's going to come in and maybe do a quarterly strategy session with you to make sure you're keeping money from the tax perspective. We are CFOs. That means basically anything in between there is what we cover. Like, are you having a cash crisis right now? That's what we're going to talk about. Are you, do you need to get out of debt? Let's put together a plan to get out of debt. Do you need to create a spending plan? Like, let's create a spending plan. Do you know what your monthly expenses are? Let's do that. Do we need to implement profit first? Have, do you have that implemented, the cash flow management system? Let's get that in place. Make sure you're managing your cash. So that's the types of things that we do. We are basically like financial coaches that have a fractional CFO service to make sure that you really know your numbers and can live in that purpose. That is really why I have Simple CFO. I love that. And then who is this service for? Is this for investors that have done deals? Is this for somebody that, like, who does this service serve? Sure. We are definitely for the people that are actively doing deals. So I would say if you're grossing at least 300,000 in revenue, so that means 30 wholesale deals at, you know, 10,000 a pop or whatever, you know, like making sure that you are doing, you know, enough deals to work with us. So that's kind of the, the bar that we've set that it makes sense. Also, it needs to make sense for you, you know, inside of your company to have a CFO at that level. We're a fractional CFO service too, meaning that we have multiple clients per CFO on our team. And because if you pay for a CFO to sit there, sit there, butt in that seat, then you're going to be paying 100, 150, 200, 250, depending on your business and the size. So that's why we are a fraction of the cost. And we also make sure that you have the key elements in place. And that's what we drive on every meeting. It's strategy and helping you know how to implement. So yeah, I would say you need to be doing some deals uh, to work with Simple CFO. We do have a lot of free content if you need it. We've got a podcast too, a Profit First for Real Estate Investing, and then also a Facebook group. That's where we post some of this you know, free content, free information, profit first for real estate investing uh, Facebook group. There we go. Awesome. So, I mean, you're, you've built this business. Um, why, why did you build it in the first place and where do you see it going? Sure. So I built it because I wanted people like that investor I was working with in Virginia to make sure that they could unlock their purpose. And I really want to see that in every owner that we work with. Some people, it takes two years that we've seen, like just had a call 
two weeks ago with a guy and he's like, this has changed my life. And we've been working with him for literally two years, you know, and it was, it was, it was a real big mess when we first started working with him. But I want those people to actually have their, not only their business life change, but their personal lives change too. Cause your money is personal. It doesn't matter if it's your business finances or your personal finances, everything. When, it, when you talk about money is personal. And then the other side of that, um, the other part of your question, besides why did I start it? Where am I going? Was that the other part of like yep. where we're going? I want to, I want to work with lots of business owners. So right now we're scaling to have a hundred CFOs on our team. We want to be working with an average of four to five clients per CFO because we know it's quality over quantity. And so that's my ultimate vision is to be working with, you know, about 400 people a month. And we are helping them get out of their real estate rat race or their entrepreneur rat race and really helping them. So we want, I want to take this to about a 10, 10 to $15 million company. And because I know that we have something here that can really turn the tide of the way that I believe just entrepreneurs in general, think about their finances and think about their business and knowing that they've got someone who's not just a, that accountant or bookkeeper or someone who doesn't know how to speak their language. So that's really on the other side of why we want to scale and grow it. Um, Cause I know we can make a huge dent in the, in the entrepreneur world. world. And that's awesome. So, I mean, obviously you're passionate about real estate, about business, about finances. So how does what you're doing with simple CFO and where you're trying to bring that align with what you feel is your purpose? My purpose I come from a background that's a very giving background. Uh, I've, I, I, the reason this business is going well and the reason that we're helping people, a lot of it has to do with the people that were in my life as well too. Like I had great parents. I have a great wife and daughter. I have a great mentors. I've got great people like Dan who hold me accountable. You know, like I, I owe a lot of what we're doing now to other people. And I realize that and I want to give back. Like one of my big 10 year giving goals is to give away a million dollars a year. And like, I know and where I need to be like top line wise in order to do that, because right now we have a specific account for missions and giving. We support several missionaries. We're supporting a girl that's going to college. You know, like there's several different things that we're doing internally. And like, that's where a certain percentage goes, you know, to that. So every time we sign someone up in simple CFO, I know that that is going to now be more to accomplish that my ultimate purpose of, I want to give, I want to give, I want to grow to give and like profit first allows us to be able to have that margin that affords the extra percentage points to give. And that is one of my big passions. And one of my missions in life is to give a lot more than I take in. So that's a lot of why I do what I do. Yeah, it's crazy talking to other people that have that same mindset, like Gary Harper, um, yep. somebody that we both know, he wants to give $2.6 million to charity, might have been $6 million. Yep. Um, Eddie Wilson, also part of Sharper Events, yep. um, has multiple charities. His entire purpose is just all about supporting everybody else. And that's really what drives his business. And I, th I think that mindset shift is just insane. Yeah. Um, but so like 851 that. transactions, um, this, I'm sure you have a story for this. What was the biggest mistake you've ever made? Oh man. So one of the, we lost $200,000 on a property. 
So there we go. Let's just let's just start off with that. So it's not all sunshine and rainbows when you do those deals. Um, that was one where we gave too much control to someone. We have, I'm a, we're all I'm all about leverage. So um, in that company, we had different sales guys on the team. You know, like that would have a different area of like where we were and how we did our deals. And we just we gave someone too much autonomy and. Basically, they were spending money on uh, repairs that weren't for that house. You know, like got into the got into the vicious fix and flip Ponzi scheme of paying using this money to pay for two deals down the road here that they hadn't finished yet. So, like that's where it got way behind. And then then it was in Illinois too, which was like horrible, horrible. You know, like for taxes, and then it flooded, and the basement like it was just a nightmare. So that's probably the one that is etched and burned into my brain because we had that property for years. And we, on one of our KPIs was to bring up problem properties at every like single week. And like looking at that property made me just want to be like, here we go again. So it was uh, definitely a humbling experience. Yeah. Well, you have 200,000 reasons why it was a humble, humbling yep. experience. Yep. So. Exactly. Man. So um, if, you know, on everything that you're doing, you know, your, your real estate, your, your simple CFO, your, uh, giving, I mean, what can our listeners and our students do to support you? I would say the biggest thing would be to pick up a copy of the book profit first now, because you can literally read it right now, start getting that mindset, the skill of keeping that money. Gain that skill, especially if you're first starting out. Because one one more quick story, because I love stories. We were interviewing one person. If I told you his name, you probably know him. Very, very well known in the real estate space. Said, if I would have started profit first five years ago, I'd have five million dollars more in my bank account right now. You know, like if he he said if he would have started when he first started out, not five years ago. So like, do that first. Buy that book. You, I, I'm also coming out with uh, Profit First for Real Estate Investing at the end of this year. That's going to be specific to real estate investors. So make sure uh, if you want to pick up a copy of that book right now, I have the ebook on pre-order because the actual physical book takes a little bit more time to get uploaded uh, for pre-orders, but I have pre-orders up right now. So that's one way. If you want to listen to our podcast, Profit First REI podcast, uh, tell a bunch of stories on there about people who've implemented it. And then you could join our Facebook group, Profit First for Real Estate Investing and Investors. That's uh, it's another one where we just give away that information. So that's, I just want to make sure we're providing value to you and you start to get that mindset. And it is not the financial aspect. If you could leave with one thing is that it does not have to be scary. Like the cash management portion can be very simple and you can do it without a finance background, without any training on that side whatsoever. And you'll be able to at least have a system to be able to go from here and manage your cash. Awesome. Um, we do have, let's uh, get some questions here. So Brad is asking, how do I know when it's time to hire another wholesaler like myself? So when do you want to grow and scale? Great question. It's going to definitely depend on you and your company. But I would also say that if you're looking to hire another acquisitions person or whatnot, make sure that you have the margin to hire them right now. Like, are you going to be able to pay them commissions? 
are they just feeding you deals like a bird dog you know like because then you could hire a thousand of them right now if they're just bringing you deals you know so if you're actually looking to hire someone as w2 i would set up another account say new hire account new hire bank account and once you know that you have some built up and they're like okay now it's time to actually pull the trigger so <laughs> talking with a lady yesterday she's like i hired a coo but i'm not sure how i'm going to pay him i'm like oh you know like i know it's just in us as entrepreneurs to be like yes we're just going to make this happen i don't care like i'll go and find the money then you know what that turns into heartache down the road you know like let's have let's have what you think is heartache today of learning this financial skill you know and making sure you get that out of the way because I promise it'll save a lot of heartache down the road, like the call I had yesterday. So I would just say, open an account, have a specific amount that you want to get to, and then hire that person. And then once that money's, if they're not producing money, like they should be producing money within 90 days for you. They should, you know, that's a typical turnaround time for a, another acquisitions person to start, you know, earning their keep. So maybe do a 90 day reserve account just for paying that person, like a minimum $1,000 a month or 2000 a month you know, like draw against commission and then move from there. That would be one, one way you could do it. What, is there another question here? I see. Yeah. Uh, so Torin is asking, are you still investing in real estate actively while doing simple CFO? And if so, do you partner with anyone within your company network? This is, this is becoming one of my most asked questions on things like this, which is hilarious. I will say, no, I am not actively anymore. Um, I will say that there have been people that have brought me deals and I look at them, but I'm like very picky now. Like I'm only going to do a deal that's either a home run or that I know I have to have the right relationships too. Like if they're going to hold a turnkey for me or something too. And I have all those relationships, but I'm not spending a ton of time looking at the properties right now. So, cause Dan, Dan has asked me that before, you know, like he's, you know, going to other markets or whatnot. So he, you know, cause I was a part of several different markets so I definitely have people ask me this a lot and I will say I'll partner with the right people if all I have to do is either vet the deal or bring the money because that's basically what I'm good for now is vetting the deals or bringing the money. So, and it, by vetting the deal, I mean like I have to be the last, like you have to do a lot of the legwork up front. I'm not going to be doing any of that. So yes, I will still do it, but actively I'm not pursuing that right this second. I sold a lot of my portfolio and which uh, several years ago, which afforded me, you know, move anywhere. And then now it's just been ramping up this business and getting this going to help a lot more people. Thank you for asking though. Yeah. So what I'm, what I want people to take away from this is that when you set up your business this way to where you're consistently paying yourself, it gives you options. <laughs> you can move across the country if you'd like. You can move to Florida instead of staying at somewhere where there's harsh winters okay. five months out of the year. Uh, you can afford to be really picky about the deals you do or who you do them with or when you do them, how much you work. Like this stuff will affect you for the rest of your life. So, like, that's why I wanted to bring David on because this stuff this stuff matters. This stuff will affect you. It'll affect your kids, your relationships for the rest of your life. Like do this now. The best time to start would have been 10 years ago. The second best time is today. Yeah, always. So I a hundred percent agree with that. Uh, that's why I'm on this mission. And that's why I'm so picky with what I do with my time. 
You know, like I am very picky with that. I time block a lot. I time block to where people can't schedule a lot of meetings with me. Literally last week I had a full day. I had blocked out. I was just sitting and thinking or making the high level calls I needed to. Like I will do those types of things because I know that's what really drives our business. It's not me checking off a task on my to-do list. So do I have those? Yes. Does my operations manager, you know, like hold me accountable to those two? Yes. But that's why I don't give myself very many. And they're usually the high level ones that I really need to be doing. Dan and I have the accountability every week. I hardly give myself a bunch of to-dos because I only want high level to-dos. Like these are the things that have to happen over the next week. I'm not looking to just give myself ticky-tack type stuff. So that's, yeah, I totally reiterate what Dan says. It's all about creating, it's a lifestyle business. And if you want to be a big tycoon, do that. But like be smart about it. Don't just go into it without a plan or not having these systems in place that everyone has that is successful. There you go. That's all I have to say about that. I love that. <clears throat> David, you're not a very passionate guy. I don't know no. if anybody's ever told you that. <laughs> not at all. No. Um, so we have another question from one of our students, Kevin. Um, Kevin's primary purpose is buying and holding. So when just getting started out with buying and holding, what are the most important accounts to establish? And do you have any insight on the ideal percentages? Sure. So for buy and hold, I would say it's still the traditional accounts. You still need to focus on profit, still need to focus on paying yourself, still need to focus on tax. Tax will be a lot less percentage though this time. And then operational expenses. I would also set up, we call it a pass-through account. It's those account, it's an account that like in a pass-through account for us inside of a rental company or it's like PITI, principal interest taxes insurance. Like you have to pay those in order to keep the rental property. You know, like got to pay the taxes and insurance always for the rest of your life. And then principal and interest, you know, if you've got a lender on it. So after that is what you get to keep. And that's really your cash flow. That's pretty simple, right? I mean, not rocket science here on that part. But then the actual percentages will mirror very closely to what this, what the, you know, traditional is. But I will say, Another account that I would open up is like repairs, vacancy, turnover, like that one in a real estate company, um, in a rental company. And I would do at least 15% of what's left over there because people usually say 5% of the, the, the gross rent. And that translates usually about to 15% of like what's left over. So that's why I say do 15% of that account. Then make sure you, you know, I'd say also the other big one is the tax account, do 5% on the rental side, because usually you can depreciate the heck out of your properties. So like maybe just a little bit of buffer there because maybe you're doing some active things or maybe you made more in the rental than you thought. And you know, maybe you sold a rental off and you've got a big chunk of change throughout the year too. Make sure you always at least allocate a little to that. Then here's another tip, bonus tip for every person if you're a rental or if you're a, a selling company. I just do two broad categories. Do you buy and hold or do you sell? That can encompass a lot of things. So if you're a seller or if you're a buy and holder, then what I want you to establish another account. It's called, I like to call it the OPM account. You got your OPM account. So your other people's money account. Meaning if you take money from other people, especially if you're wholesaling or fixing and flipping and taking down deals like to wholetail them or whatever, if you're doing even a quick flip, then take that money in. And if that money is for that project, put it in a separate account than the ones you're actively managing your business. Like all those profit, 
you know, owner's comp, tax, operational expenses, those are for you and to run the business. If you're running a deal, you need an OPM account or like other people's money to store it there to be able to work on those projects and not dip into their funds to run your business. If you're having to do that, then you're, you know, you've got a problem, big red light in your business. So I wanted to give that, that was not the question, but I wanted to make sure I got that in there because you need to have like that OPM. Some people call it a rehab account. I like the OPM account. There you go. Do you recommend different banks or all in one with different accounts? Great question. I recommend having the core accounts, those five accounts be checking accounts at your one bank, but setting up a different profit and tax account at a second bank because one of the disciplines is like not touching this money. So like if you're pushing that to another bank, like that profit and tax, make it like a savings account and like for, and uh, maybe do online, you know, banking, but like forget the password or make it a different password than you use for everything else. So you'll never remember how to log in. Basically you want that in another bank. So that way you forget about it. So that way it's, that way you have, you know, access to your cash when you actually need it. Like the profit account, we take those quarterly, uh, quarterly draw out of the profit account to actually celebrate you being a business owner and, and winning uh, as the reward for your business. Then the tax account is like, you could be paying that quarterly depending on how you're taxed or whatnot, or you, annually. So like you can't steal from the government. So like, let's put that in another account in another bank. That just gives you no temptation. Now, some people have gotten uh, creative with that. And it's like, okay, whatever really works for you. I'm not gonna like totally slam it as long as it follows the line of thinking. They've set up the two extra accounts on a different login completely than their run. They, so it's the same bank same everything, but they've set up a different login for those two specific accounts. And they're like, I never remember that login. And I'm like, I don't switch between these accounts all the time. I just am in my normal one with my checking account. So there's another hack. If you're like, I only live near one bank and then and sticks out here and I can only have one. So that would be the, the whole point of that is like no temptation. You should not be transferring money like this all the time, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like as annoying as that was, that's an, as annoying as it looks to me is for managing your cash. If you put it in profit, it's for profit. Don't take it out of there. You keep it in there. So there, there you go. I'm off my soapbox. I rest my case. Any other questions? Um, so as an entrepreneur, it's pretty natural to have multiple revenue streams. Does that mean you need multiple revenue profit like setups? And this is actually a personal account or a personal question because I walked in the bank the other day to set up my accounts and they did not want to set up 20 bank accounts for me. Um, <laughs> so I would like your insight. First on of that. all, find a new bank. One that, because that, even with us, we've got someone who works at like um, at a bank um, that's a part of our, uh, the Profit First Professionals. And he's like, here are the banks that I'll make sure that they set you up with these. But then I will also say, if you have multiple streams of income from different sources, I would, I would personally set up the foundational accounts for those different types of business. Now, if you're like, I've got this, this rental entity over here and then another rental entity over here, you know, and I'm like holding rental entities in different or rental properties in different entities. And, you know, I've got like a seller finance thing over here. Like in my head, there's the selling type of companies, which are like, turnkey, wholesale, wholetail, fix and flip. Like if you have those, 
it might be okay to do just one master, you know, profit first system. But for different types of entities, I definitely would. And then some people that work with us, they're like, no, I want it for each entity that I have because like it has provided such extreme clarity of what that entity is doing for them. They're like, let's set this up. So I would say it's a flexible a little bit, but I would at least do it for the different types of business that you have. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so going back to something you said earlier, you know, if you, if you're going through and and you find that you can't run your business based on the amount of operating expenses that are in that account, or you find some issue that, that big thing, you're like, Oh, well, that obviously doesn't work. What do you do? I love this question because this is like 95% of the people that we work with. (laughs) is we dive in there because no one has even pointed this out to someone before. That's the first thing. Most people don't even know if they're in that situation. So the first thing is, (laughs) this is like the 12 phases or the five phases of like, you know, um, some of these programs. It's like, first thing is accepting. (laughs) It's not, you're not going into denial anymore about this. Like you need to accept where you are. And then the second thing is, then we build those plans around it. What other types of businesses do you have right now? What other revenue streams? Because we're here to make sure you have the right percentages, but we have to make sure you actually have income coming in. If you remember, the formula is sales minus expenses, sales minus profit equals expenses. So you have to have the sales, like sales is still in first priority. Like the owner should never stop selling you, I'm not talking about even necessarily inside their business, but because they're always selling to someone, but like you should always be selling. So that's where we dive into it and be like, okay, what are your roadblocks? Like if this shut down, if your area shut down, do we need to go to a new area? Or like, is there a better money-making opportunity over here that you're really good at? Or we did this with one person, they were fixing, flipping and wholesaling. And they were like, they saw their numbers on fixing and flipping. They're like, what am I doing? And so they completely stopped fixing and flipping their properties. And they went to wholesale the next year they grossed a million and had like a 30% profit margin. Like, and it was like, Oh, okay, this works. Cause like they were able to see what was really, really benefiting them. That's sometimes what it comes down to as well. Cause if you're doing multiple things, it's like, okay, should I pour gasoline on this fire over here? Or, you know, like that's really working well, or like, should I shut this thing completely down or should like we pivot or like, what should we do? Knowing the numbers, helps you ask yourself better questions. So that's what we are really doing. We're not there to say, this is what you should do. This is, we're there to say, these are the questions you should be asking yourself at this point. And that's when you know the numbers, you know the answers are gonna be tied to data and not to your gut feeling of, yeah, this this sounds right. Yeah, I feel good about this. You know, it's like, well, no, now we have data to actually say, this is good. You know, like, let's move forward from here. That's great. Uh, so if there were just one thing that you would hope that people would take away and remember from this conversation, what would that be? One thing, open up one bank account. Cause I don't think they'll, me- they'll mess with you, Matt, at least on that, open up one bank account, call it profit and start transferring at least 1% of every deal into there. Like that's something you could do quickly. Like that won't take a, t- a bunch of time just to set up that one account profit, start transferring, get in the habit of keeping your money. Get in that habit as fast as possible. 
So there, there's the one thing. One key takeaway, go and do that and thank me in 10 years when you're sitting on a million dollars actually in cash and not just what your profit and loss says. There you go. Awesome. Uh, so David, what is the best way for people to reach you? If they want to work with us, it's simplecfosolutions.com. You can apply there. Uh, and then also the other places is like profitfirstrei.com. That's where we house our uh, podcast. And then the Facebook group, Profit First for Real Estate Investors. Look it up. It's a private group. So you'll have to um, answer some questions to join that group. So that's the best way to follow us, follow our content. And if you want to work with us. Awesome. Well, David, honestly, uh, I want to thank you for being here and sharing your stories and your lessons. Um, I know we're all better for it. And uh, as long as everyone takes action, I know that we're all going to have a whole lot more profit uh, because of it. So I'm grateful for you being on here. Awesome. I'm very grateful to be on here. I love spreading this message. Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Um, if you got value out of this, then please like, subscribe, comment, and share with your friends. And I want to make sure that you're able to grow from this. So like David said, just pick one thing today and take action on it. And this is, it's one call, one trip to the bank, go and set up that account. Uh, as soon as you're done listening, you can make the call, you can drive out there, put it on your calendar for tomorrow, whatever you got to do, just do something. The only way you're going to grow is by taking action. So go out and take action. Signing off, this is Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner with Real Estate Heroes.